You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early. This is the place to explore and rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to get at the deep spiritual meaning and how to apply it in our daily lives. My goal is to help you learn to pray more effectively, to experience God's healing presence in your life, and to get a taste of what Jesus meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, let's jump right in. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 47. Today we're going to talk about how to pray about hurricanes, earthquakes, and forest fires. Now, just as a disclaimer, I do not have the perfect little words to say to stop a hurricane, an earthquake, or a forest fire in its tracks. That would be nice, but it's not about the words that you say in your prayers. It's about the spirit you have in your heart, the conviction, the deep trust in God that makes any prayer effective. We're going to look at some stories in the Bible that mention wind and earthquakes and fire. And I hope to put some things in context, and then we'll talk about how we can pray about these situations. We'll see what we can learn from the people in the Bible who experienced these phenomena and see how we can use those ideas in our own prayers. A Presbyterian minister said to me one time that God doesn't send bad weather, but that the weather is sometimes a reflection of the mental and spiritual atmosphere of the people in a situation. He gave the example, when Jesus was crucified, there was darkness on the earth for three hours, and he felt that was representative of the darkness that was in people's hearts, which rejected Jesus. I thought that was very insightful We tend to look at things on the surface. We look at the surface cause and effect, and we don't always go down deeper to the mental and spiritual causes of things. And I think that Presbyterian minister was getting a glimpse of the mental causes of things like the weather, for example. So let's look at some situations in the Bible where there was wind, fire, and earthquakes. We're going to start with Jonah. Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to the people there. You know what happened. He got on a boat and went the exact opposite direction. He was out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and there was a terrific storm. Jonah was starting to sense that it was his disobedience to God that was causing the storm. And so he said, well, throw me overboard. What was going on there? There was a change in his thought. He shifted from disobedience to at least then taking what would be the first step in his eventual obedience to God to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to the people there. The minute he was thrown overboard, the storm stopped. I think it was that first step towards obedience that stilled that storm. Sometimes we have mental storms. You know, the storm that he was experiencing in the boat as he was going the opposite direction from Nineveh was really just a hint 
at the moral storm going on in his heart because of his deliberate disobedience to God, I think he might start to agree with that Presbyterian minister that it was his disobedience to God, just like the rejection of Christ caused the darkness, it was his disobedience to God that brought that storm on. So that's something for us to think about. Sometimes we're in just a moral, mental, spiritual storm, and there's not any weather going on outside. It's all internal. A lot of people today feel that some of this extreme weather, as well as the forest fires all over the world, are being precipitated because of our lack of caring for the environment. So part of the solution is very probably obeying God or asking God what to do next. Sometimes we're facing a storm because of opposition to what we're doing that God wants us to do. Jesus experienced that quite a bit, and sometimes it manifested itself as a storm. Think of the time Jesus was asleep in the back of the fishing boat with his disciples. They were out on the Sea of Galilee. All of a sudden, a storm comes up, Not just any little storm. Now, these were experienced fishermen, his disciples, but they were scared for their lives. They run to Jesus and say, wake up, wake up. Don't you even care that we're going to die? Well, of course he cared about their lives. He wasn't concerned. What did he do? What was Jesus's modus operandi? When there was a problem, often Jesus used the prayer of rebuke. First, he rebuked his disciples' lack of faith. He said, what happened to your faith? In effect, he was saying, you have faith. You've been healing people. You've been watching me heal people and solve problems. What happened to your faith? You could have dealt with this. Do you not trust God to solve this problem here? And basically, they didn't. They were completely leaning on him personally instead of leaning on their own faith in God to solve the problem. So first he rebuked that, then he faced the storm, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Jesus was rebuking what seemed to be causing the problem. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. There's a good hint for us. When we're dealing with either literal storms with the weather, or storms in relationships, or at work, or whatever, We need to rebuke the cause and not the effect. That's how Jesus stilled that storm. What was causing that storm? Well, some people say, well, it was just the weather pattern. Well, let's say my Presbyterian friend is right, and these adverse weather situations are caused by mental attitudes. And the natural scientists might be right that these weather patterns are caused by global warming because we're not caring for the environment. We're polluting things. So what is the cause there? We would need to rebuke the greed and the lack of concern for the whole planet. Are we caring for what God gave us? Getting back to Jesus on the boat, think of the hate and the opposition from many Jewish leaders toward Jesus at this time in his ministry. They were trying to drown him out. They were looking for ways to get rid of him. Maybe that storm was just a manifestation of the opposition that he was facing. He rebuked it. 
So in this context, it was literally the wind, but beneath the surface, there was a spirit of opposition to Jesus. And I think he was also rebuking that wind as well. Nothing could stop the Christ from pursuing his purpose. I love that Bible verse, God holds the wind in his fists. God has power over the weather. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If God is supreme in heaven, then we're praying to see that God is supreme on earth too. He is certainly capable of stopping a storm, stopping a problem, or protecting us through it, however it may work out. I don't think we should feel bad if our prayers don't stop a storm. We're praying to see that God is supreme. I had a Sunday school teacher years ago who told me that one time there was a tornado coming straight for her house. There had been all these alerts and the weathermen were saying, it's really, this is a terrible storm and all that kind of stuff. Well, she saw this tornado coming straight for her house. Her husband ran and hid in the closet like you're supposed to do. He was finding someplace safe. She went to the window. This was a woman of amazing prayerful convictions. She went to the window and looked at that tornado. And I don't remember exactly how she prayed. But what I do remember was that she just prayed to see the presence of God's love and that nothing destructive like that tornado could coexist in the presence of God's infinite supreme love. And she just stayed there. Her husband thought she was crazy and was going to die. And she just was steadfast in her absolute conviction. And just before that tornado got to her house, it went back up in the sky and disappeared. They even reported how that happened on the news the next day. So let's talk about earthquakes. On our theme of rebuking the cause, if you remember from your earth science classes, you know about plate tectonics and the shifting layers of Earth's crust and how when they bump into each other, it causes earthquakes. Well, let's look at that as a metaphor. Mentally, what could be going on there? Do you ever have clashing, conflicting, competing, combative egos, opinions, theological or political perspectives? Absolutely. It's going on all the time. Seems like it's more so now than ever. Think about what happens when the tectonic plates of opposing political parties or religious theological opinions clash. There are mental earthquakes going on when that happens because people push against each other. They won't budge in their opinions and there's no compromise and all of a sudden something snaps. That's kind of what's going on with an earthquake. These opposing forces are either pushing against each other, pulling apart from each other, or sliding next to each other, and it causes all kinds of devastation in the earth. So if you were going to pray about an earthquake, how would you pray about that? Like Jesus rebuked the wind and the storm, what would you rebuke? Maybe this idea of something opposed to God. How can there be a power, a real power, opposed to God? We need to get a higher sense, the difference between what's true to us as men 
here on earth from a material perspective, looking just at the surface of things, and what's true to God on a deeper spiritual level from a heaven-based perspective. That always brings depth and power and authority to our prayers, whatever we're praying about. Let's look at some stories in the Bible where earthquakes are mentioned. Interestingly enough, sometimes there are positive results from some of the earthquakes in the Bible. There was the time when Jesus was crucified, for example. Right after his death, the earthquake and the darkness helped the Roman centurion realize that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. On the resurrection morning, the earthquake helped roll away the stone from Jesus' tomb. And then there was the time when Paul and Silas had been put in prison because they'd been preaching the gospel. And during the night, while they were singing songs, there was an earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison and unloosed all their bonds. So in this case, the earthquake actually set them free. The more that we can be obedient and share our faith and let our light shine with others, Let them experience the presence of Christ through the way we have experienced Christ in our own lives. I honestly believe that will help stop some of these so-called natural disasters. I think they're not natural to God. They're natural to the material world, but they're not natural to the kingdom of heaven. So let's talk about fire now. There have been a lot of forest fires out in the western part of the United States. Within the last year or so, there were forest fires in Australia, and this summer there were forest fires in Europe. It's not an isolated problem. What does the Bible say about fire? Well, fire is used as a metaphor in many different ways. Sometimes it's the purifying presence of God. Sometimes it's the destruction of material things again. Fire burns up the chaff and the tares. It melts the gold out of the ore. Just think for a second, if you're a little nugget of gold inside the ore, you're locked inside that rock, and the goldsmith puts that in the furnace with the purpose of melting the gold out so it can separate it from the dross and then use it to make something beautiful. If you're that little nugget of gold, things are getting pretty hot, and you think, it's the end of the world. I'm being melted. Help. Well, actually, it's a refining process. In the Bible, there are lots of metaphors about that. And this is a relevant metaphor because there are actually species in the forest that need fire for their seeds to germinate. Let's look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. These three Hebrew men, boys, I don't know exactly how old they are, but they're tied up and they're thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. It was intended to destroy them. But what got destroyed? The fire was so hot, it had been heated seven times what it was usually heated up to, that the soldiers who threw them in there were killed. The only thing the fire burned up was the ropes, was the bondage. Kind of like that earthquake that freed Paul and Silas and all those other prisoners. Well, when they got out of the fire and all the nobility of Babylon was looking at them, it says, this is Daniel 3, verse 27, the hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, 
and no smell of fire had come upon them. Have you ever singed your hair in a candle flame? You don't even have to be in the little flame for your hair to be singed if you get too close. These men were in this fire that was so hot, and yet not even their hair was singed. God was protecting them. I met a lady one time who had a house that didn't get burned down in a forest fire. The fire was coming at her house. She was praying. Her friends were praying, but she had to evacuate. She finally got out just in time before the fire kind of came onto her property. And it wasn't until she went back and looked at the property that she realized the fire had come right up to her doorstep, right up to her front door, and stopped. And the firemen had no explanation for it. They couldn't figure out why that had happened. I love this passage from Isaiah 43, verse 2. It's really a promise from God, and so we can turn this into a prayer with the authority that it's come directly from God. He says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. That can be literal. It can also be figurative. That is a powerful, powerful promise from God. So we've talked about some of these situations in the Bible, and I haven't covered all of them. There's no way to, where fire and earthquake and wind or storms have been mentioned. There's a story in the Old Testament that actually mentions all three of these elements, wind and fire and earthquake. And I think it helps put us on the right track about how to pray about these situations. Elijah has taken refuge in a cave, and outside, suddenly there's a great strong wind that breaks the mountains in pieces. But the Bible says that God was not in the wind. This is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there's a fire, but God was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice. That's how God was speaking to Elijah, and that's how he speaks to us today. God was not in those devastations. He was in the still, small voice. And we need to remember that. God is not sending these things to punish us. He's sending his still, small voice so we can hear him and do what he wants us to. So let's talk about how we can pray about these situations, because they keep happening in our world today, and I believe our prayers do have an effect, but our prayers have to be founded on a solid foundation of spiritual truth and not just based on our human will and what we want to happen. And that's the first thing I would say is important. So let's talk about ways to pray and ways not to pray about this. One of the first things I like to remember is that Jesus said always to pray to the Father. He said, don't pray to me, pray to the Father. You can pray in my name, with my nature, with my authority as my representative, but always pray directly to God. I think that's a very important thing, again, on anything you're praying about because you're going right to the source. And now here's something that can undermine your prayer. If you believe that God is sending 
these storms or these earthquakes or these fires to punish us or teach us a lesson, it's kind of hard to pray for him to stop them. Because if it's his will that those things are coming and destroying all these things, then why would you pray for God to not do his will? Another way to pray is we need to acknowledge that we have the authority to pray the way Jesus did. Paul says we have the mind of Christ. We need to give ourselves permission to use that mind of Christ, to think with that mind of Christ, to let that mind think for us, to kind of bear witness to what God is thinking. Everything Jesus said or thought or did, it was because he saw God doing it. He heard God saying it. He heard God saying, tell the people this. I only say what God tells me to. I can only do what I see the Father doing. So what can you see God doing? Can you see in your mind and in your heart and in your faith that God is stopping that storm? Can you see and bear witness to what's true in the kingdom of heaven, that there are no storms, there are no forest fires, there are no hurricanes or tornadoes or devastation through weather. Can you see that that's true in the kingdom of heaven and be absolutely convinced that that is true spiritually? Well, then your prayers will ring with the authority of spiritual truth, just as Jesus's did. But we're kind of afraid, you know, who are we to pray that way? We don't, you know, we have all these little doubts and fears that our prayers can't do that. Well, we all need to step up to the plate a little more earnestly and see more clearly what is true in the kingdom of heaven and bring that to bear in our prayers for what's going on here on earth. And the more clearly we see what's true in the kingdom of heaven, that will empower us to be obedient to God and do the things we need to do, just like Jonah had to be obedient to what God was telling him. And we'll also be empowered and inspired with new ways to take care of the earth and be good stewards of what God has given us. So this question of, well, why doesn't God stop the earthquake or the hurricane or the fire? I think that's really the wrong question to ask, because when you ask that question, the human mind is going to come up with an answer that is usually very far from the truth. I think a better question is, how can we have more faith? And I don't mean just blind belief, but how can we have more deep, earnest, and absolute conviction in God's power to heal and save and prevent these things or to stop them in their tracks? Jesus had absolute conviction that God would answer his prayers. And he said, whoever believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, because I'm going to the Father. It's time for all of us to accept that fact more than we have in the past, that we can do the works that Jesus did. I don't know that I've completely answered the question how to pray about hurricanes, earthquakes, and fires. But I want to leave you with this conviction that your prayers are very powerful. And when you stand on the rock of Christ, instead of the shifting sands of your will, what you think would be best, or other people's opinions, then you will see your prayers be more effective. You will see more of the kingdom of heaven here on earth because you're bearing witness to the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
So I just want to encourage you, the minute that you hear the news that there's another possible storm developing, that there's been an earthquake or yet another forest fire, this to me is a call for us to be instantly on the spot in our prayers, knowing that God is in control, turning to him with that same authority that Jesus used when he rebuked the wind and stilled the storm. That same authority that my Sunday school teacher had when she just saw God's love. You have that ability to pray with that authority. Give yourself permission. It's not your little personal human mind or your personal human will that is praying. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. You are the instrument God is using. The Holy Spirit is working with you and giving you this ability to bear witness to what's true in the kingdom of heaven. And that is prayer. Seeing what's true in the kingdom of heaven is a powerful prayer. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you found these ideas helpful. And I would love to hear how you have prayed about hurricanes, earthquakes, and forest fires. The best way to contact me is through my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click on the menu tab that says Contact, and I'll be in touch. If this is the first time you're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I encourage you to subscribe. That way you won't miss any episodes. Just go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash podcast. You'll see a little blue box. Just put your name and email in there. Send it off. You'll get an email to confirm that you're not a robot. And then you'll be on my email notification list and you won't ever miss an episode. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you have found this helpful, share it with a friend. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. I will put in the show notes all the scriptural references that I've mentioned today. You can find the show notes at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash zero four seven. This is episode number 47. Thanks again so much for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. God bless.